Welcome to Thought Feeder. I'm John Steven Stansel, and with me as always is Joel Goodman. And today we're going to talk about something that, um, you know, strikes to the heart of what we talk about. We're going to talk about homogeny, homogeny, homogeny. Your site looks like my site, looks like their site, looks like so on and so on and so on. Yeah, this is something that I mean, I, I think anyone that has worked in higher education for longer than six months and has gone to any conference has heard some talk or at least seen the title of some talk that has tried to address this problem of all of our websites look the same. I mean, it's it's an old trope in in our circles, our like hi, higher education, web, digital. But a lot of the conversations we have center around this idea of there isn't anything new. Uh, in higher ed. And I've given talks on how to try to be better. I know lots of other people that have given talks on this very problem. And JS and I were talking about this even, you know, way early when we were just planning the show in general as an overarching topic for one of the episodes, because we both feel that it's very important. And this, this episode, we're going to talk mostly about websites. And this also extends into almost every piece of digital marketing that universities do from social media to ad writing, to copywriting, to honestly, billboards mostly look the same, um, and uh, and the biggest issue that I see around this is that there's no differentiation when you just look like your neighbor institution. You know, when your university is designing a website based on other higher education websites that you like or that a VP or vice chancellor or dean or president likes, you're not doing anything to help yourself in terms of standing out in the marketplace. And especially in the U.S., higher education is... It is a competitive field. There, there are over 5,000 higher education institutions in the United States alone, not counting Canada, not counting study abroad sort of situations. And if you're not standing out within that 5,000 plus group of universities and colleges, you're not helping yourself. So we wanted to, to kind of dive in and talk about some of the, some of the, commonalities, some of the lingering homogeneity that has stuck around for the last, geez, I don't know, 15 plus years, and and hopefully find some ways to fix it. I don't know, JS, what, is there anything good about homogeneity? Well, do you, do you think there's any? <laughs> you know, allow me to play uh, devil's advocate, or, or should I say VP's advocate here. I want my university's website to look like a university website. We are strong. We are prestigious. We want it. We, when people see our website, we want them to know about the amazing research that is going on here. We want 50 things in the slider. We want it to look like the institutions that we aspire to be like. So why shouldn't we be homogenous? <laughs> That's not really the question they're going to ask, but you know, what, why, why shouldn't we have that giant banner at the top with a picture of somebody putting something inside a test tube? How will people know we're a university <laughs> if we don't have that? It's, it's an industry aesthetic. We, we gotta, we gotta play into the aesthetic, right? <laughs> How will they know we do research if we don't have photos of people putting things into test tubes? Or, or 15 news stories about random faculty people doing random research things that no one's going to read, right? 
I mean, maybe that's maybe that's valid, except that no one knows, especially if you have the same colors as another research institution. No one can visually separate you in any way. Like those photos are the same. The, the other problem, the big problem, I think, with the with the showing of this research or or anything is that we hire the same photographers or we buy the same stock photos from the same stock photography repositories. Well, even if we're not using stock <laughs> photos, somebody putting you know something inside a test tube looks the same whether or not you're at a university in Portland, Oregon or Portland, Maine. It's the same. It's a, true. A, a laboratory looks like a laboratory. And even we've mentioned this on previous episodes going on our campuses. Our campuses are beautiful, but a college campus looks like a college campus. What makes your school unique and different from from the others? Because really, when prospective students are looking at university websites, they're going they're jumping from website to website to website and seeing the same tropes and the same things and going, well, why is this school better than the two or three other schools I've, I've looked at before? Yeah. And I'm from you from user experience standpoint, if we get into like the real like hard data side of it, for a long time, there was a commonality in navigation structures. You know, you'd have your audience navigation, you'd have your task navigation, and then you'd have your junk drawer quick links, which, okay, fine. And then you'd have, you know, kind of your your main overarching topical navigation for for the rest of the site. And there's there's been an argument for a long time that these are valuable ways to to do navigation and we don't need to reassess it we don't we don't really have any reason to look at data or to try to improve it because every other university uses the same navigation patterns and so if a prospective student comes to your site you want them to be able to navigate the site super super quickly and the only way they're going to know how to do that is if you have the exact same navigation structure as every other university website out there I think there's some validity to that on the side of, yeah, familiarity is great. You know, like like you're reducing friction in some cases when users already know, you know, what a certain term means or what a certain link is supposed to go to. But at the same time, when those navigation structures were invented by a higher ed agency like 20 years ago, and we haven't reassessed them since beyond you know, hiding our topic navigation in a hamburger menu on desktop, which I don't advise uh, you do ever. Uh, <laughs> you know, there, there's there's got to be a point where we check our assumptions and check, you know, these trends that have infiltrated against real people and against real users and continue to test, like continue to make sure that there aren't better ways to organize our content, organize our navigation for students. And that largely doesn't happen in higher ed. And th there are reasons, like we don't have the money, we don't have the staffing, we don't have the time. The agency that we worked with said we should do it this way. Those those are excuses. I mean, that it's plain and simple. Like, sure, they they might be they might be valid to some extent, but at some point, one university out there is going to wise up and realize that they should be putting their effort into reassessing stuff like that, and they're going to pull ahead. And maybe it'll be your competitor. Maybe your competitor is listening to this episode of Thought Feeder, and they're thinking, huh. That seems like a calculated risk that we can afford. Maybe we'll just start testing and start actually looking at what the data says. And you aren't going to do that. Well, they're they're probably gonna they're probably gonna pull ahead and beat you. And you know, 
you look the same as them. So <laughs> there's data, there's data in testing that's not putting things into test tubes. So let's put it this way. <laughs> but that also brings us to the fact of you know we focus a lot of time on university homepages, but generally the homepage is not a prospective student's first interaction online with your university. Uh, you know, I, I like to say, and other, others have said it before me, I, I, I didn't say it, I like to say it. Every page is your homepage. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think, I think one major cause of this is you look at your Google Analytics and your homepage has the most visits. So the assumption is that, well, of course, everyone's going to the homepage first. But actually, I would guess that most of the people that are hitting your homepage are either internal constituents, so people that work for the university or are current students, or maybe it's you just hitting the homepage a lot. Especially if you do a lot of paid display advertising, you should not be sending people to your homepage. And you're probably not. You're probably sending them to a custom SEO landing page that you've built. And that's fine too. But your homepage is your homepage is kind of like a catch-all. It's like a default. Like I mean, if someone searches for your university on Google, I would guess they're probably if they're if they're a prospective student or or about to become a prospective student, they are probably clicking on the academics link that shows up on your search engine results page and trying to get into the, da- the the content that they're actually looking for versus wade through a homepage sales pitch that you know has six news stories that aren't relevant to them and is super heavy because you've got a video on it and a giant video on a it a drone video and lots of photos a drone video a drone vi- oh so actually this was a good so yeah we've talked about the drone videos before I was doing a, I was doing a competitor audit for a client, and one of the one of the competitors, uh, university competitors' websites that I looked at, they had they had a homepage video. But it was one of those, you know, and these are getting more popular. I think as people are seeing that everyone has campus drone videos, but it was just a quick shot, like bunch of scenes across campus, like here's a fountain, here's two students, you know, walking down a pathway, sort of a thing, but. This institution, whoever produced the video for them, had the, I'm guessing they were real students and faculty at it, but whoever was acting in these videos were so over-exaggerated in their (laughs) facial expressions. And it was, it would just felt frenetic. I mean, like it was just quick cuts and wide pans and people with these way too happy grins on their face with a you know moving in slow motion and it was it was the weirdest um sounds like the beginning um, of miami vice yes yes but even cut more quickly (laughs) just it was it it was disconcerting it really was i looked at i was like i don't this seems more like a cult than a university like i don't really know that i want to be a part of this place even if they are having very happy people doing research uh you know it was like test tubes flying through the air well in someone's hand like the wave you know instead of just putting something into a test tube they were like waving the test tube around it- <laughs> Maybe by the end of this episode, we can come up with something to better signify science than a test tube. I mean, oh man, no, uh, I don't think so. I, Chalkboard, I'll say, you know, we're, we're really <laughs> kind of focusing on on university websites, but looking at social media, and I've been dive taking a deep dive into some Facebook ads that universities are running, and kind of seeing, you know, kind of doing competitor analysis of what's going on, and that's the signifier. It's that same shot yeah. of somebody holding a test tube in their left hand, and in their right, they're squirting something into the test tube. Every yeah. single school has it. I mean, we, we joke about the girl under tree, you know, all of those sort of cliche shots, but 
we all do it because we can't think of a better way to signify research than a test tube and a white lab jacket. It's two students in lab jackets and safety goggles with a professor and one of them's holding a test tube and one of them's looking like, oh, I don't know what's going on, you know, and the, and and the, whatever the research professor is doing is, and, you know, and they're framed the same way and the lighting is super bright and it's 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 a very distinct style and that's okay, but I've worked with institutions that have moved away from that and I mean, maybe, you know, Maybe they're not a research institution, but just in general, the photography style that they implement is not your prototypical higher education custom stock sort of thing. You know, and there's there are great photographers that work with higher ed exclusively and that have developed this style. I think it's fantastic. I mean, like, you know, they do really good work. The problem is that when everyone has the same, you know, utilizes that same style, every university or every college utilizes that same style. Sure, someone knows your a college, someone knows you're a university, but they don't know which one you are because, because you're, you're not doing anything to help your brand. And it, it is, you know, photography and all those visual elements are a distinct part of your unique brand. If you're watering it down, you're not doing yourself any favors. Are we advertising our college or are we advertising college as a concept? Yeah. And I, I think we need to ask ourselves that when we look at, at, at what we're producing. Like, is, is this us or is this just higher education in general? What are we selling? Because we're putting time and money into to these ads. I mean, we can talk all about homepages, but it, it's every single aspect of university marketing from digital and your homepage and website to we mentioned billboards to, to your TV spots. I mean, yeah, look at look at university TV spots. They all look absolutely identical the only difference is ask yourself if we change the colors out to a different different university color does it still look like us from the imagery that we use if we if, if we if we take the university of whatever blue out does it still look like that university and nine times out of ten i'd say the answer is no i mean even even down to the identity work when when i worked in christian higher ed the, the last university that I worked at, we went through a rebranding process while I was there. And I remember, man, I remember our design director, he and I just, just like being in anguish over what the agency that we were working with was pitching. The senior vice president for enrollment management really wanted a shield as the logo because in education, shields represent prestige and knowledge you know harvard has a shield the university i work for has a shield so <laughs> i mean I, I will say this my favorite university logo ever i'm gonna gonna brag on somebody right now is oregon state university their shield is incredible it looks like they had aaron Drop, uh Draplin design it uh they didn't but <laughs> it's just it's they could have he's there it's like something out of a wes anderson movie it does it looks like a university but it, it's it's clean it's fresh it's it, it, it's just, I mean, chef's kiss for, for University Shield logo. I love it. But yes, to to your point with like Christian universities and so like just a shield doesn't always work. And and the, I, the, the issue is, you know, when you're when you're in a certain bracket. So Christian higher education in general, it's a very specific niche within the larger higher ed culture. They've got their own consortium. You know, they're they're all about the same size. Some are quite a bit bigger than others, but they're you know they're all around the thousand to four thousand student mark, somewhere around there. 
Um, you don't have many Christian institutions that are, you know, 20 to 30,000 or anything like that. So that, you know, when, when every single one of them has a shield logo, how do you differentiate yourself? You're, you're, you're teaching the same things. You have the same number of students. There are tons and tons of you in the Midwest and your logos are all the same. You got, it's, uh, man, it's just, it, it, it waters down the value of what your institution does from an academic practice. And it makes your marketing way less effective because you're just contributing to noise. You're not cutting anywhere beyond the rest of the noise, visual, audio, otherwise. You're you're just contributing to it. And it, it one, it presents an opportunity for other people to pull ahead. Like I said, you may be listening to this podcast and thinking, huh, maybe I will try something different because everyone else is doing the same thing. I think you should do that. I, I think you have a, a good chance of pulling ahead. I think you have a good chance of, you know, helping your institution out. So, yeah, maybe maybe give it a try. That's, that's, my, that's my top tip today. You, you can even make it sound like a university tagline. Be you. Be different. <laughs> Start here. Be different. Go. <laughs> okay, JS, taglines. Let's talk about taglines. Okay. They're all the same. <laughs> I, I, I think that... That's that goes without saying. Just look at any university's hashtags or it's not hashtags, excuse me. Taglines. The hashtags all, are the same too. The hashtags are the same. <laughs> um, but the one that's kind of most memorable is is UT Austin, which I think is a good tagline. You know, what starts here changes the world. But one university sees that and goes, Hey, that's a nice that's a nice tagline. I want something like that. And you have something that's like start here, change the world. You know, and, and, and it kind of devolves from like this one hashtag. I work in social media. Everything's a hashtag. <laughs> one tagline just slowly devolves in, in, into all of these clones that are, are just some something similar. So it goes from, you know, what start, starts here changes the world to change the world, start here, or start here, change yourself. And, and just all these kind of key phrases that sound prestigious, like, we, we want we want words like change and new and here here <laughs> yeah here is in all of them here's in all of them it's actually particularly interesting i just had this thought like through the through the digital shift that the covid-19 pandemic has put in place temporal reality is 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 weird <laughs> because no one is here anymore <laughs> It's almost it's almost like they they're they're playing the was the the magnetic poetry game with university taglines. Oh, yeah, but they only they only have like five words, right? You know, there's there, there, there's yeah, there's five five words, and this how we can rearrange them uh, into some sort of university haiku. And, and nine times out of ten, you know, students don't remember what your tagline is. I bet if you know, I I, I went you know. There's, there's no one on campus right now, but if I, if I walked on campus when there were students there and said, hey, what's the university tagline? Well, I think I think even just the messaging side of it, right? Like the messaging is by majority all about me, me, me. I thought about this earlier when, you know, when you were talking about some of the homepage politics, I guess. But I think a lot of this is driven in some part by by ego. It might be latent ego. But some of this is is driven driven by ego, right? And and a lot of how I think a lot of how higher ed talks about itself in some ways does have an air of maybe arrogance, 
arrogance might be harsh, but I, I think there, there's two types of ego. There, there's personal ego of the faculty member that comes in and goes, my research is important and we need to have this on the homepage sort, sort of mentality. And then there, there's overall our ego is higher ed. And now, right. I, again, I've said this before, I have drunk the higher ed Kool-Aid. I am, I am all on board with the higher ed mission. It's important, but we want to sound important yes we do we want to sound prestigious no matter where where we are i you know i remember i had one boss who wanted us to sell ourselves like an ivy league institution and at the time you know, the university i was at it was not ivy league and that's okay it's fine not to yeah. be ivy league it's fine to be a state school or you're adding value as a state school you're adding value as a community college you have your place not every place has to be yale or harvard and have to be this uh, super prestigious in institution there, there's a point of we are providing education to our our community and and enriching people's lives enriching our community's lives and we don't have to sound like we almost you know want to be slightly appear slightly out of reach yeah and i think that's a dangerous mentality for us to continue to have not and i would have said that 5 years ago and i would have said i'm going to say that even even more strongly now yeah we need university within your reach to be we are <laughs> our tagline for today <laughs> I think that's part of the big ego yeah. that 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 is in it. Yeah. And and I think that I think that drives a lot of how we craft marketing messaging, right? So the what starts here, it's like we you know, we're trying to say we're better than something. I mean, we look we look like neighbor, but we're better than neighbor even though we sound like neighbor. I wonder what happens when we take our marketing messages, our our taglines and and our campaigns and we focus them on the students that we want to have, you know, when we talk about them versus talking about us and how we're good for them, talking about them and what they're going to do and, you know, take that air of fanciness, no, <laughs> air of arrogance out of it. Like I, I think about National University again. I Seth O'Dell is a good friend. I respect so much work that he has done. I think he's done really incredible things in marketing for higher education. When I was working with them a couple of years ago in 2018, they were launching these 30-day courses that people could take. And they're non-traditional for the most part. It's it's mostly it's mostly adult education. But their whole mar their whole marketing around it was what can you do in 30 days? Had nothing to do with National University, just had to do with what what can you get done in 30 days? It was encouraging, it was challenging a little bit, and it worked great. It was a really good campaign. Like they built a lot of really cool messaging around it. But none of it was about National University is going to make you do something in 30 days. It's what can you do in 30 days? We're here to help you. Here are some things that that we can do to help you out. But this is this is us working with you for you to do things in 30 days, not for us to do something in 30 days with you and, you know, that sort of thing. But like, I wonder I wonder, like, what happens when more of that messaging starts to starts to get out, you know, when more traditional universities start focusing on the undergrad population that is going to be starting school and focus on focuses on them. I mean, especially with especially with how generational messaging changes anyways. Right. Like. Kids want to be going out on their own, doing stuff for themselves and, and, you know, making themselves into something. It makes sense to focus that messaging on them particularly and not just on the institution. So what do we do about it? What, what's the solution? What, how, how, do we, how do we break out of the homogeny? Because I, I feel like the biggest problem with it is the, the snowball effect of, oh, 
you know, one, we see one school do it and somebody else does it. And it's kind of gets so to this one giant ball of same. How do, how do we break out of it? I, I worry it's too systemic. I don't like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I have ideas of how we could break out of it, but I, I don't know that higher ed is ready because I, I think there's, I think there's just too much of an ingrained response to marketing within the industry. And yeah, so I, I guess some things I, I think, geez, I think if you don't have a CMO or someone in a similar position, get someone in charge of marketing and maybe get someone in charge of marketing that is risky. Maybe don't hire a CMO that's coming from another university and was a director of marketing. Hire someone that, geez, I don't know, comes from tech or comes from comes from a competitive field where you know where where they're charged with doing something really cool and having to differentiate themselves from competitors. <laughs> I, as much as I like that idea, I feel sorry for that person. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, no doubt. Hey, good luck getting someone. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, coming into higher ed, it's, it's just such a, a learning to navigate university politics and, and why things are done a certain way Yeah, um, can be very frustrating to, you know, as I see new people entering to the field that are going, you know, straight from university into higher ed marketing who are kind of frustrated with like, yeah. what, what, why do we have to do this or are, uh, you know, one, one thing I often ask myself and kind of think, how many decisions have been made so long ago because two people that are no longer at the university made them for some reason? Yeah. I can tell you a million stories. The one, my, my favorite story is, yeah, I work at the University of Central Arkansas and our school colors are purple and gray. And they were chosen over a hundred years ago because two faculty members were put on a committee asked to decide the colors. And when they met, one was wearing a purple sweater, the other was wearing a gray scarf. And <laughs> they said, hey, look at you, look at you. It's so good. Those are our colors. And I mean, no, and of course this was, you know, I can't remember the exact year, but like what, 1910, whatever, you know, they, were, they weren't thinking, oh, we need to do market research and figure this out. They're just like, hey, I like your sweater, I like your scarf. And that is a institutional branding decision that we are going to live with for yeah. pretty much forever. Um, and you know, breaking out of some of those is going to be difficult. You know, I have, I've seen one thing I, I see that I like a lot, you know, before this, I worked at Texas state university and one issue they had their, their main color is their maroon and gold and they're in Texas. And there's one other school in Texas that uses the, if you think maroon in Texas, you're not <clears> thinking <throat> Texas state university, you're thinking A&M. <laughs> yep. Uh, Home of friend of the show, Michael Green. Good old Michael. And one thing I've noticed recently in Texas State's ads and some of the things they're doing, they're introducing more secondary colors into their their yeah. palette yeah. And, and, and actually featuring the secondary colors rather than the main brand colors, which I think is amazing. It's, it's a bold statement. It's a bold move. It gets your attention. It still looks like Texas State because yeah. they've got their, their, their logo and branding on there and you've got the primary colors in there. But there are ways to kind of move out of some of these things that we, we, we find ourselves stuck in. We just need the right person to kind of give us a kick in the rear and make us do it. Yeah. And I think along, I think alongside that, I think if any leadership is listening to this, you need some flexibility and you need to, you need to realize that not everything is a risk. 
there are some things that you can do that are just good for growth and good for expansion. And just because they're different, it's not something risky. And you can you can calculate how risky something is going to be. I, I think that's the biggest thing. You know, we're we're such a risk averse industry in general that we're almost paralyzed to do anything new on a marketing front or to to think differently because this is how we've marketed to prospective students for the last 30 years. I, I, I think the risk aversion that we have is the biggest risk we face. Yeah, I agree. That's yeah. I mean, that's 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 completely that's completely accurate. If we're if we're going to stay risk averse, we're risking any longevity that we could possibly have in the marketplace. And that's that's dangerous. I mean, that'll that'll cause all kinds of issues <laughs> and closures, uh, which is not good. It's not good. The other thing, uh, I, don't, I don't know how how valuable this is, but you know, switch up your agency, maybe vet your agencies. If you if you're not going to redesign in house, or you're not going to do your advertising in house, don't go with an agency just because you like another higher ed website that they did. Go with an agency that is promising results and has a track record of producing results. And results are not. Results should not be, in your mind, a pretty website that they once designed. I mean, those are nice. Like, great. Yeah, everyone wants your website to look really good. But if your website looks nice and doesn't give you more leads, doesn't get more conversions, doesn't get you more requests for information, it's not worth the you know, hundred to hundred thousand, a quarter of a million to half a million dollars you're going to spend on a website redesign. You need to, you need to be looking at, will this thing perform first? And then if it's performing, can we also have it look good and be pretty? Form follows function, right? I, yeah, I, I think, I, I think especially, especially on the web. Yes, there, and you can have both. That's the thing. You can have both, but you need to make sure for something as mission critical as a website for a university, it needs perform first. It needs to have, it needs to have that functional ability to bring you in prospective students and get you more applicants. Or if you're not talking about your main university website, it's something else. You, you know, it needs to be able to retain admitted students. You need to have something that's going to stop melt, like keep people engaged in your brand in a way that makes them excited to become part of your community. That's probably another episode, but there's a lot of that that goes into like social media messaging. And if you sound like everyone else and you're trying to engage and if your email drip campaign is the same as if you're using an email drip campaign and, you know, and students don't like it, like fine, you have to find other ways and you have to mix, you have to mix that stuff up. But that's a wider strategy discussion, probably. It, it, it's always it. It comes back to I think what you're saying is not being risk averse and being willing to 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 change things up and say, hey, maybe we're going to start looking at industries outside of higher ed and modeling ourselves after that, rather than model ourselves at the university down the street. And, and you know, again, another episode. But one of the biggest problems I have with social media is you know, school A posts this type of content and school B does this type of content. Right. And then all of a sudden everybody thinks, okay, that's the thing we've got to do. You know, I, I, I saw school down the street post, you know, the, a, uh, a message with their mascot saying stand six feet away for COVID-19. We need one of our mascot. And suddenly we're all creating this content for no other purpose than 
keeping up with the Joneses. And that's just not that that's not a marketing strategy. That's not a communication strategy. It doesn't doesn't it doesn't say I my our university is different in a way that makes you want to attend. And and the Johnny come lately look is never good unless you improve upon whatever you're copying, right? And and you have to greatly improve upon it. Like Apple's really the only company that does that well. <laughs> Take something that already exists and make it better and then sell it. And that's generally not what what higher ed does with content. So come up with something new, you know? Or try something different, but I, I think I think JS is right, and we can just we'll close out the episode on this. I think looking at industries outside, and I, I gave it's funny I gave a talk about this at the now no longer existing Elements Conference slash Penn State Web Conference. Uh, man, I don't know, it was probably like five years ago. About exactly that, about looking outside of higher ed for for ideas, looking outside of higher ed for ways to improve a user experience flow like an you know an on-page journey map sort of a thing and yeah i we looked at i think that in that talk i'll i'll put a i'll put a link to the slides in the show notes but uh, in that talk i noticed how all of the phone companies all their home pages look the same because they it was the, the the new iphone had come out so like you go to T-Mobile or Verizon or AT&T or Sprint and they all look the same. The homepages like were exactly the same. Or you go to airline websites at that time and the only ones that were doing something different at the time were actually I think it was I think it was only only Virgin Atlantic had a different website and and were doing cool UX stuff and now Delta's moved on from that. Like and uh, and American Airlines their websites are looking better and they're they put a focus on user experience design and didn't put a focus on copying their their neighbors and take a look at the airline industry in which i mean right now they're none of them are doing very good but delta even in times of economic downturn when no one can fly delta's pulled ahead of everyone because they put a ton of effort and resources and money into improving their design well to sum up i would say we need to start looking at other industries outside of higher ed for ways to innovate because no one is looking at higher ed for ways to innovate. Oh, yeah. Yes. Mic drop. As always, thank you for listening to the Thought Feeder podcast. If you don't subscribe yet, please visit thoughtfeederpod.com. If you don't follow us on Twitter, we're at ThoughtFeedPod. And you can also follow me personally at Joel Goodman and my co-host John Steven Stancil at JS Stancil on Twitter. ThoughtFeeder is hosted by Joel Goodman and John Steven Stancil and edited by Joel Goodman. You can find ThoughtFeeder wherever you get your podcasts. ThoughtFeeder is sponsored by University Insight.